It is Podman Rush 9, I believe. Uh, the 2 and 0, as we like to call it, when there's only two of us in it, in the 408. I think we're in the 408. I'm dropping some, some sweet rhymes here. Why? Because I'm still bathing in the hip hop glow and flow of last night, Snoop Dogg night at Staples Center. And there to take in the Alex Ayafalo you to the liquor store. I heard that during the introductions at the beginning. Uh, other sundry skip shots, rhymes, and intros from Snoopa Loop was Kyle Shohara, uh, Dallas Stars digital manager. Kyle, welcome. Thanks for having me. Explain digital manager. I guess in a nutshell, everything that you see on the Stars website, I kind of have a hand in. I produce the, some of the written content for the website and then also uh, manage our NHL app. Okay, now you're, you're a perfect guy to have on right now because of where we're at, where we were, and uh, what's going on in the world in general. Uh, I want to ask you this question first. Rank the platforms for me, if you would. Uh, your, your favorite platform for digital content is? Twitter. Is it really? Yeah. I still, yeah, yeah. I, that's how I get all my news and information. It is terrific for that. Yeah, I think most people do, but there's a generational change. Is there not away from Twitter to other yeah. platforms? Oh, I hear a lot about TikTok these days. I, I'm still, I'm not on the TikTok. <laughs> Why train not? Yet. I, I don't know. I don't want. Kyle, get, you're the I, digital I, manager. No, I know, but I feel like if I were to Kyle, jump on, I, I'm almost sixty. I'm on TikTok. So does that mean I should make one? Yes, you should. <laughs> We're not going to do it today, but we will. Uh, Instagram? Yeah, I don't mind it. I use that. I, I like Instagram more for leisure. But, um, you know, of course, nothing nothing's wrong with the good old uh, website every now www. and then. www. something? Yeah. Uh, com. <laughs> good plug. Good plug. In in order of relevance, though, which one do you think is most important to a, to a hockey club nowadays? I still think website. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, I think everyone, you know, still gravitates towards the website for the team news. And of course, you know, you can always, with social media, you link back to the website. So everything goes back to it. It's a connected world, Kyle. I don't know it's, if anybody's ever used that. You can use that on it is a connected of, world. That's one of your uh, platforms if you'd like. As far as usage bio. on on the on the social on the socials, mm -hmm. which one do you think uh, gets hit most? Twitter. Instagram, Snapchat, something I don't even know about that the kids are using. I got to say Twitter because uh, Dallas Stars have over a million followers. Every team has over a million that's followers. Not, that's not true. I think they do. No. Who doesn't? Oh, I don't want to name names. <laughs> yes, that's what we're here for. <laughs> There's a couple that, uh, you know, fall short of the one million. Anybody mark. in the desert? Perhaps. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> uh, you come to us by way of LA and Anaheim. You're a, a huge lover of press passes. You have you have a pelt wall of press passes. I love that about your spot at the office. Uh, talk a little bit, though, about what... I hate that phrase, by the way, but I just used it. Talk about... Mm, yes. Uh, where do you think hockey in the Southland... Is that what you call it? Yeah. Or people from the outside? Is no, that that's like fine. calling Chicago the Windy City you or Dallas? The Southland, Big yeah. D? The West Coast. West Coast. How about that? Southern California, yes. more so than where we're at now in Northern California. Uh, just in, in your span 
where it's where it's it's come from and where you see it right now it's just grown leaps and bounds i mean you know back when i was growing up we were talking about this earlier there wasn't you know there were there wasn't a lot at least to me it didn't seem like there were, there was a lot of accessibility for hockey i mean yes we had ice rinks here and there but compared to today i mean it's just it's just grown leaps and bounds i mean were you into street hockey and, and beach hockey? I was huge into street hockey. Uh, me and my friends would get on, you know, on our street, and we would just play either in the driveway. We'd dent the garage doors. We'd, you know, we'd run out in the street and play, and have to pause our games when the cars, you know, pass by the street. But um, you're that almost was Canadian with that. Oh, we were dialed in. Or Northern American. Yeah. Oh, and here's another thing. My friends and I would start in our backyard, and we would run from the backyard past the house to the front driveway like we were being introduced for the starting line oh really oh yeah well done we were we were uh we were hardcore back then but yeah beach hockey was great watched it a lot did you think that league was gonna survive forever no too much of a novelty too much of a novelty i mean i liked the sloped end boards or whatever yeah. it was <laughs> <laughs> but uh it was such a table hockey game it was at a beach they were trying to merge Basically, beach volleyball, AVP, and yeah. and professional. I guess they got paid, didn't they? I think they did. Yeah. You know what? I thought got paid in sun drops. I thought the in. old RHI was going to last. Yes. Roller hockey international yes. or whatever it was called. There were some guys that came out of that and actually played pro, or maybe they maybe it was the other way around. Uh, not at the highest level, but uh, in the in the minor leagues, it was it was an interesting time. Hockey was exploding. Of course, it all gets traced back to Gretz showing up. I would think in in L.A. in the late '80s. The it, I, I I believe that our foothold in Texas took off because of the success of those late '90s teams. Like it, the novelty part of it when they first came to Dallas was great in the early '90s, mid '90s. But the Cowboys were dominant. They they weren't just you know the Cowboys. They were the Cowboys Super Bowl champion Cowboys. And the star, the Mavericks were awful. The stars came in, and immediate, immediately it seemed like there was a uh, there was a real uh, connection between that type of athlete and that part of the world. And and then they had success. If they hadn't had the success they had, I, I wonder whether it would have you know really grabbed on. And I would think for you and and the kids you hung out with, and just the vibe in Southern California. If Gretz hadn't shown up and they hadn't started to win and then ultimately win a couple of cups here uh, in the in the teens of the aughts, it wouldn't be what it is, right? No, I don't think so. I mean, obviously, Gretzky, when he came to town, he kind of – he put hockey on the map, I think, you know, for good. And then – Was it just because it was the, it was the name – like star-driven in L.A.? Was that – the yeah, big deal. Yeah, I think it was. You get a guy like Wayne Gretzky coming to town. You know, we had obviously with the Lakers, he had Magic, Magic John. He had Showtime, the right. Showtime era. So he definitely put it on the map. And then, um, you know, for me, I think my hockey fandom really took off. Actually, I remember exactly 1994 when Paul Korea joined the Ducks, Mighty Ducks at the time. I was hooked. Now, here's the thing I grew up in LA, but I was a Mighty Ducks fan. I liked all the other LA teams because of him. Not just because, well, not just because of him, but or the movie, 
<laughs> you know what? I'm one of the few guys that became a hockey fan, not because of the movie. The movie's great, but... Um, is it? Is it great? It is great. Okay. Uh, Mighty Ducks 2 is the best one. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I think so. You know why? Maybe because they played at the pond. It might just be. Maybe it's maybe it's an Anaheim bias I had. I'm not sure. I think Madonna still says that number one is the is the number one because uh, he yeah. was in it. He was but, in it. Yeah. yeah. I think he had a white suit on or something. Him and Robitaille. Crazy. Anyway, keep going. Oh, and, and uh, you know, well, I, I remember my one of my closest friends lived a, a couple houses down, and his family took me to my first hockey game, L.A. Kings, Philadelphia Flyers at the old Great Western Forum. It was great. I had a great time. They were all decked out in Kings gear, so I don't know if this is me. You know, it's been so long, but I want to say that I became a Mighty Ducks fan as a kid because I wanted to, you know, show up. Not show up. I wanted to be, you know, the opposite of them. I wanted to wear the opposite because here they all are decked out in their, you know, in their whatever, black and silver or whatever right. it was. So, you know, I wanted to be... I wanted to be the rival team, and it kind of just took off. And it just so happened that Paul Korea joined, and the rest was history. Okay, so Korea is Japanese-Canadian. You're Japanese-American. That had to have had some kind of a draw for you, right, to see someone uh, from from your heritage playing at the the highest level. And that's why I, I look at a game like last night for Jason Robertson to – Come, you know, grew up here. Probably had to deal with all kinds of uh, a bias and discrimination as he was trying to navigate his way uh, to this level. And for him to be, be an LA kid, play at the at the Staples Center last night, and for tons of other young Asian Americans in the in the area, for them to see that, it has to really resonate. It does, because when Korea joined, I was eight years old at the time, and you know, I think for me, it was the first time in my life where I saw someone who you know, looked like me playing at the highest level, so I idolized him. Posters on my wall, you know, I printed out action shots and put them in my binders, and I, I think that, you know, the same, well, it, you know, times have changed now, and I was talking to Robo not too long ago about the impact that he's had on... Is he aware of, of the impact that he's had, and that he possibly have going forward yes yeah, he is which is great to see uh, you know i was just telling him the impact um that he's making you know not only just for uh, you know not only just for young young players in general young kids but for asian americans because still to this day we there aren't a lot no it's underrepresented it's underrepresented so and especially to see someone from southern california make it to the top and then Give back, I think it's huge. And we saw it last night, you know, during warmups, him signing a yeah. little Robertson jersey for a kid. I mean, that is that could be life changing. So he's aware of the impact that he's making. Uh, maybe I don't, but I don't, I don't think he truly knows the power that he's having. He's too young. Yeah, you know, he's, he's just twenty two. He obviously comes from a great family. His brothers in the Leaf organization. They. They're going to have a. I, I think they're going to have a major impact on on things in the league in in a great way. Because you're right. Like I, I was struck by the. I think it was in the Helene Elliott article in in the L.A. Times, talk, talking about or he was talking about how there were a lot of other Asian kids that that he played with uh, growing up, but then it all it all seemed to sort of dissipate. 
and he was the only one that navigated to to this level. And I I wonder why first, and how you maybe a guy like him showing up in the NHL and being as elite as he is. Uh, allows more of those guys to hang in there a little bit longer and understand that no, this isn't some pipe dream. Like it, this can happen. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You look at any of the the youth teams back, you know, in California, and you're seeing more and more Asians on the rosters. So, you know, I look back 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, and it wasn't it wasn't like that. Yeah. So it's good to see. Good. It, it is. Yeah. It's awesome. And beyond that, the the player from the area that you know from these i know Bettman doesn't like it to be called non-traditional markets anymore but that's that's what they are a guy like blake coleman to, to come up through minor hockey in in dallas and and then turn into a multi stanley cup champion i mean it's it's an image like you said with korea it's an image that kids that are starting the game in the metroplex can look and say no, you can you can start here and you can play in the National Hockey League. Whereas, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, you're, you, as Mike Heike would say, you seem interesting as a human being. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you have interests. You embrace life. True? I do. Yeah, I try to, yeah. You crave experiences. I do. Yes. Uh, I like to tug on some buttons a little bit, but I think my clay is pretty much set at this point. I don't need a ton of new experiences <laughs> but we do share a love of coffee oh yes. where, where does this come from like you are not just you're borderline barista uh yes yeah uh, amateur barista maybe um where did it come from I, you know what i mean my love of coffee oddly enough or ironically enough has stemmed from being in, in the nhl for 13 years we drink a lot of coffee we drink a lot we? of coffee <laughs> It's almost out of necessity and um, habit. Yeah. Oh yeah, but over the years, I've kind of, uh, you know, I've 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 graduated from the diner style. Now here's the thing: I love diner style coffee. I always will. It's very good, even though it's very bad. But uh, yeah, but you're a pour over guy. I'm a pour over guy in the office. That's never happened. Uh, well, wow. Yeah, yeah. You've oh. taken it to a completely different level. That was uh, one of the first, one of the main priorities I had when I packed up and moved out to Dallas was where's my coffee setup? I need it. Need it in the office. It's always been with me. Priorities. Priorities. You know, especially in the digital world. Yeah, I even had a pour over this morning. Did you really? I did. How'd you do that? I went to Blue Bottle Coffee just around the corner. Well, I poured mine over <laughs> the little coffee maker in the corner there and sucked it down at six thirty this morning. Yeah. Wasn't as good, I don't think. Uh, tats, what's yes. the deal? It was just you're, you're all sleeved up. You're uh, like you're like the players nowadays. <laughs> that was just I've always been interested interested in them as. Uh, what was you your know. first one? It was actually a pond hockey one. Really? On my forearm. Yep, it's right there. Wow. Yep. That you can't see that on the podcast. You can't. It's see dazzling, it. though. I uh, I played pond hockey for the first time when I was living in Denver, working for the Avalanche. We drove up, there was a frozen lake, and that was the first time I've ever played outdoors in the elements, and I was just blown away. So the theme with all of these is um, nostalgia, things that mean a lot to me. There's a coffee one right here. Look at that. Yeah, and I got hockey, uh, concerts, all is that. Is that nitro so. or is it pour over? Do you know? Oh, it's it's pour over. Is it yeah. nice? It's, it's pour it's over. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I made sure. I said, hey, 
It needs to be <laughs> it needs to be a pour over. Please. Don't mess this Don't up. Don't mess it up. Yeah. Uh, have, do you compare uh tats with, with the boys? Have not here yet. Jamie and Tyler? No, and- not yet. Because every you know, I haven't really been able to talk to them that much. I'm still fairly new, but um back They'd be I, intrigued by it if they looked at it. I think so. But back when I worked with for Anaheim, uh JT Brown and I yeah. Awesome guy. We yeah. would often, he would often come up and now examine doing them. color in Seattle. Yes. Awesome guy. Yeah. Him and uh, Brandon Montour, two guys that I always talked about with tattoos. There was a generation that, like the my generation, you won a Stanley Cup, got a cup tattooed on your ankle. Multiple cups, multiple tattoos on their ankles. And then it slowly, I think when, when bikes started coming in and everybody had I had one. I had a big fat back, back tire. I had a vengeance chopper out of here. And uh, I didn't get the tattoos, though. I'm unsullied. I am clean. Well, there's still time. No, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. And and my daughters have ma- managed to stick slip around that so ah, far, too. I see. So don't influence my I, daughter, I will, I will not. I'll try my best. Uh, shopping in restaurants. You like, you like to shop? You I'm not like, a big shopper. You're not? Nope. I am... Restaurants, boy, I, though? When I can, I enjoy yeah. food. Yeah. Um, Great reviews. Nope. Would you like to? I don't or know. Do you just like to experience. You it? know what? I, I I have a Yelp account that I created way back in the day, and <laughs> of I think you did. I think I might have written one review. You know why? Because I think it was if you write a review, you get I don't know ten percent off the next time or something. Oh, really? Something like that. So it was I a would, financial decision for yes. you. Yes. Oh, of okay. course, of course. Um, all right, let's get into our stars a little bit. So the seven game uh, winning streak. I've lived through many of them as the Dallas Stars. I find it just absolutely mind-boggling that they can't win more. I, I, I remember when it happened a couple of years ago, and uh, Jim Montgomery was the head coach, and they had won seven in a row. And we were all just stunned that it was like, that's the franchise record? They've never won eight games in a row, this franchise, ever. And it was like, yep. And sure enough, they get to seven that year, they lose the eighth. They get to seven this year. They get spanked in, in Vegas in the eighth game. Um, but it was quite a run, again, this year, and a, a needed one. What did you take away from that seven-game stretch? It w- Like you said, it was needed. Um, I thought – I kept waiting for this team to – I know it's still early in the season, but I kept waiting t- to, for them to turn the page, turn the corner, because they're just there's just too much talent on that roster to underperform the way they did out of the gates. And – I think they were finding ways to win. Obviously, being at home worked. Yeah, uh, you know the power play was clicking. The top line was dynamic, and we should have had Nath win. Yeah, yeah you, we, you we should have had Nath win. We were right there, two to, goal to lead. lead by a couple of goals, a couple of times in the game, uh, and to have a night where we ran the stat last night. When you score three power play goals in a game, you 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 don't lose. You got to win. You very rarely lose. So it's happened sixty eight times now. For the Stars, they've lost seven times when they've scored three power play goals in a game. And that, that's what happened the other night. The, it, it, look, I, I had respect, though, for Vegas. At least they came. It wasn't like the Stars beat themselves. Like Vegas be, beat them in the end. They roared back and were able to beat them. But the, the, actual, the actual run it, itself that started against St. Louis, I remember that game. I mean, they were coming off of a loss against Nashville. A players only meeting, and it, it was there were there were some long look faces, and uh, I think a lot of uh, doubt 
going on. They realized they had to win that game. They win it. And then they look since then and during that run, now it's changed again these last two games on the road. But they they look like the team that I stated boldly at the beginning of the year. This is a team that is going to have a magnificent balance between offense and defense. Like they're going to finally find it. They're not just going to rely on being a top three goals against average club to win games two to one every night. Uh, they're going to be able to score some goals too with the health and and some additions. And uh, and then they played like they did out of the gates. And then you look at that stretch, and they were getting to three and four every night. They were allowing two or one every night. Uh, special teams were dominant. They just looked like the team everyone thought they were going to be. They did, and they were beating really good teams. They yeah, were, they yeah, were beating, they, they were. And which you not know, to take anything away from them, there there were there were little little caveats in in every one of the victories because of omissions of people on the other side. But even within those games, those are good teams that can overcome a loss of a defenseman here or whatever. And uh, and the Stars beat them. Like they they looked like a good team that was rolling. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I I think back to like that St. Louis game and thinking like this, they've got to win this game. That that first yeah. one, they've got to win this because I think there were a lot of people sitting around going, <laughs> yeah. "We have to win this game." Yeah. And then you know, obviously, you just take it a game at a time. And and when they started reeling them off, I thought, okay, this is you know, we we've got something here. And you know, when they were able to shut down dry side on McDavid. I thought that was pretty telling. Yeah. And obviously Colorado comes in again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think, but you, you know, if you wanted to play devil's advocate, you'd sit there and say, well, Edmonton was missing their whole left side of their decor by the end of that game because Duncan Geith got, got hurt. And nurse, but I don't care. Those two guys can beat you by themselves. And the stars completely suffocated and frustrated McDavid and dry then Colorado comes in and they were getting their act back together, but no, McKinnon. no McKinnon, right? But they still had McCarr. Oh, I know. They still had Nelson Kadri. So yeah, um, I thought you know the way they were winning was was impressive, and yes. it looked like the the pieces kind of finally fell into place. I agree, mm-hmm. and and then they had to go back on the road again. <sighs> yeah. So I, w- when you look, do you look at these two games differently that they've started on this trip, three game trip? Um, or do you look at the the whole and do you connect it to what was going on on the road earlier this year? I don't know if I would look if I would connect them to the earlier road trips or road games. Um, Vegas is a game they should have won, plain and simple, and they let, they let that one slip away. And then L.A. they just didn't look like they had the legs or for no, whatever reason. So I, here here we are again. I think Saturday night San Jose is going to be <laughs> telling. You know, you win that one. Okay, fine. Let's see. You know, you end the trip on a winning note. You come back home for a game against or home and home against St. Louis. But if you lose the the San Jose game, then all of a sudden that seven game win streak's looking a little, you know, dimmer. So, like we were saying it last night, I I didn't realize it until I was doing my notes on the Kings. Like they won seven games in a row this year. They did, and they they that last night was their third win in eleven games since that. Like it's amazing how it can just. I know it's crazy. Spin around in the blink of an eye. The the problem that I have with the stars on the road right now that that seems concerning. They dropped to four uh, four seven and one last night, so they got they get some room for improvement, <laughs> yeah. and they need to. They they were the only team in the top ten 
of the Western Conference that had a, a losing record the way the NHL tabulates wins, losses, and overtime appearances. Uh, you could probably shove Anaheim, who were five, four, and three. You know, really, it's five and seven. You know, in losses, and uh, St. Louis, who were five, five, and three, so five and eight, um, into that group as well, and they were uh, up in the in the top ten. But everybody else has uh, some sort of winning record away from home. Stars have been great at American Airlines Center again. It's so important to have a home ice advantage feel, right? It is. But you got to be able to to do more than just have your goaltender play out of his mind in order for you to win on the road. Like you got to play better brand of hockey and beats beat some teams, not out goaltend them, but beat some teams away from home. And you might be right. Like this game in, in San Jose with Pavelski going back there for just the second time, which is bizarre, uh, might be one of those catalysts for it. But it's, it seems important that they start to get their act together away from home too. Yeah, I do. I, I do think that. And, uh, I'm just wondering if if they can just come out with a good performance, you know, and get a, a a feel good win, is that a catalyst moving forward for future games yeah. on the road? Because we know what we know what they could do at AAC. Yeah, they're comfortable no there. Yeah, they're comfortable. Yeah. So play half your games there. That is true. Yeah, I did the math. That's pretty good, good huh? Yeah, not bad f- at all. Forty one. Uh, yeah, forty. Wow, look at huh? the big brain on Kyle like over there. Uh, some some quick quick hitters here. Uh, the stars pulled their goaltender twice last night and it was, it was a pin in a balloon both times. Right. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. It was, it was like flatulence in an elevator. It just was, it was stinky, stinky. It happened so quick too. It was just yeah, like, it did. and then the one where they took a timeout, they were down three, three, nothing came out of it. Lost phase up. Boom. Yeah. They scored from the other end again. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but I, I tripped across this, uh, on the interweb. Uh, th- this past week, Sergei Fedorov coaches Moscow in the KHL. He's been pulling his goaltender in overtime. What? Yes. Now, I, I didn't do enough of a deep dive to figure out whether the KHL has the same rule as the NHL, where you can do that, but if you get scored on, you lose your point. Oh. You lose the point you earned. Okay. And uh, if that's the same thing there, he he's just riverboat gambling. <laughs> And it's worked. They, they've scored. So basically, it's four players against three players in overtime. And he says, well, I'm fine with it. I'm going to pull my goaltender. Could you ever see something like that being adopted by these keep it close to the vest coaches in the National Hockey League? God, I would love to see that. Wouldn't you? Can you imagine that? I mean, I, I, you know, I think back to times when, let, like, let's say you're, let's say you got to, you need the extra point in overtime yes. to clinch a playoff spot or yes. something. It needs to be a regulation slash overtime win. Shootout win's not going to do it. Right. Let's just say there's a tiebreaker. Yeah. I would love to see the team pull the I just want. I want to see the, the, the somebody's going to have the stones to do it. You think somebody, so? Somebody is going to do it. And if they're successful, if they're successful, you're going to see more coaches do it. All right, so if me, they get scored on and lose the point, you'll never see it again. Okay, so if there's, let's just say there's an offensive, offensive zone draw for your team. It's an overtime, three on three. Are you pulling the goalie? You got to get possession. Oh, you don't have to, but it's obviously it's key. I, I mean, you you drop one of your players back as sort of a yeah. Put him just outside the blue line. Neutral he's not going to be able yeah. to play goal, but he's going to be able to knock a puck down or whatever. 
if you get possession, you you basically have a power play. They only have three guys on the ice. There's tons of room to maneuver. You end it, you end it. And and as you've seen many times in overtime, the great thing about it is if if somebody gets aggressive and they get a chance at one end, you're guaranteed if it doesn't go in, there's a chance going the other way. Absolutely. Because there's just so much open ice. So maybe the idea being in overtime, if we have the extra player on the ice, even if we don't score on our chance, the likelihood of us giving up a real good chance going the other direction goes down. There's got to be an algorithm for this too, you'd think. And turn the puck back over, re-rack and go at it again. I just found it fascinating. And that it worked. And it works. I think they should bring it over to the NHL. I do too. More Russians. More Russian pull your goalie <laughs> in overtime. Uh, where are you on uh, nicknames for lines? Oh, boy. This is a conversation I've had with Brian Ray. Um, the top line, you know, Robertson, Hins, Pavelski. Uh, for a while, I really liked Minutemen because they were scoring, with obviously, within the first couple minutes. Brian Ray is a big Pavelski and Sons fan. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That's you know? ageism. I don't like uh, that. Makes... You makes, should talk to him about it. He's very, very um, passionate about it. I'm not on board. Somebody sent me the uh, Robo Rupski, which I, I enjoyed. Robo Rupski. Robo Rupski. <laughs> Have you used that on air yet? I tossed it in, I think, okay. once. But no, uh, I haven't. I, look, the, the best nicknames for lines are not uh, obvious. They're a little more esoteric. Like You go back to the Flyers and the Legion of Doom. Oh, I love that. Like now they borrowed it from wrestling, but still it was, it was awesome and it fit Mm -hmm. so perfectly. Uh, Do you have any other uh, ones that come to mind from the past that the only one that I know of honest to God right now is in Boston in, in current time, they call them the perfection line. Is that Marshawn and Bergeron at Pasternak? Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that one. They call them the perfection line. You know, the only ones... <laughs> There's been the production line. There's been uh, the West Coast Express. My brother-in-law was oh, in that, that was, one, Bertuzzi. That and Oh, yeah, and that's right. Him and, and Marcus Naslin. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't really even think. The only ones that... And here's the thing is that it wasn't anything um, unique or anything, but there back in Anaheim, we had what was called the PPG line. And that was... Uh, was it PPG? I don't even remember. RPG? It was Bobby Ryan... I think it was RPG. RPG. Wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I don't even know. See? You know why? Because it's just initials. Yeah. Well, it's like nicknames in our sport in general. Well, what did they call... Just add an er. What did they call the old Red Wings? uh, The Russian Five? What did they used to call those guys? Yeah. They had the Russian Five. Was that what it was? I guess that wasn't on the line. Way back in the day. Way back in the day. In Detroit, they had the production line. Okay. Del Vecchio and Howe. Mm-hmm. But lines don't stay together long enough for the most part. Yeah. Which is... Our great hope for the Robo Rupski, if you will. Uh, I give you props, whoever sent that to me, but I, I don't have your handle. Uh, but they, if they continue doing what they're doing, I mean, they deserve, they deserve some kind of a nickname. Oh, they deserve a name. Like the FCC, what we had in past with with Foxa and Cogliano and, and Como, it was fitting. It was initials, which is easy again. Acronyms are so much fun. Uh, but also the, the the ability to shut down the other side. The FCC can shut you down. Yeah, you know, it's catchy. You're welcome, America. That was me. Uh, anyway, anyway, what do you think of the coaching uh, recycling system that 
is engaged again in the National Hockey League. Does it stun you? Are you a fan of other sports? I am. I uh, you know, hockey's just my clear cut number one, but I am a baseball and surprisingly, or believe it or not, a NASCAR fan. Where's that come from? That's a great question. Actually, you're I think NASCAR and not F1. I'm NASCAR, baby. I love F1. I'm NASCAR. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, you know what? I was uh, well. My dad was actually a big NASCAR fan back in the day, and I think there, that's where it comes from. And that's what it was. And then uh, it almost kind of just became a tradition to watch it every Sunday. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Appointment viewing. Oh yeah. Uh, they, they, you know, they just recycle coaches. There, there are basically thirty-five guys that can coach in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Well, we went. We went a stretch of a couple of days where you know we saw a, a handful, well, not a handful, but a, a couple moves being made and. It was just like for a while there, it seemed like every day something, there was another change. Yeah. So nobody changes coaches like hockey though. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I would feel really bad for the association if they didn't all get rehired again. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like they get fired, but they all get, get jobs again. Um, and it seems like it's just the good cop, bad cop rotation of them. And, you know, Vancouver made their change. Philadelphia's made a change. Yeah, it was odd seeing. That's Bruce. why when you lose, you can win seven games in a row. But these coaches now, they lose two games in a row, and they think it's the end of the world. And I, and I you can understand why. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it was, crazy. I uh, when I saw that photo of Bruce Boudreau in the in the Vancouver Canucks, uh, you know, coaching attire, man, it looks strange. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, it does. But and I had actually, I was wondering what he was doing at the that time. Gabby's when he got such the call. a great guy. Played great with guy. him in. The, in the minors, dealt with him a lot with the Ducks. Great guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, he is. Was in Slapshot. You know all this <laughs> yep. stuff with, with oh, Gabby. Yeah. Uh, you have any ideas to grow the game? Anything that, that you've kept percolating, to use a coffee metaphor? Uh, you know, I just think just we need to make it accessible for everyone. We got to really... Do you think they've made inroads with, yes. with that? Yes, I do. I think so. Um, you know, even looking back, you know, five, ten years ago, I think we've done a great job promoting the game uh, to areas where maybe we didn't before. Uh, so I why, think- do you, why do you think that, do you think it was, they felt like it was just going to be wasted money, that there was going to be no return on any kind of investment in that manner? Or was it something else? Was it more nefarious than that from the sport? No, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. I just think, I don't, you know, I don't want to say the, the league might have gotten comfortable in where they were at for so many years, but there's just there's just so many kids out there that y- you want to you want to give the sport to, and you want to have them have a chance to play. Because you know, at the end of the day, you think about it, and it's not just grabbing a basketball and shooting at the local park. Like there's, you've got to buy equipment. You got to, you know, there's a lot of money involved. But I think you know. Learn to play programs are awesome. Yeah, especially Stars Little Rookies program oh, has been great it's too. They incredible. Provide the kids with the equipment, which yeah. is the biggest expense uh, as uh, as your your sort of gateway into it. Yeah, and give them a chance and uh, girls hockey. It's it's amazing. Perfect. And, yeah, and I think we should keep doing that, but not you know try to do it as many places as we can, not just in the you know the the cities where, areas. Yeah, and that, yeah, yeah, and I think the league is doing better of that and we need to continue doing that because, you know, we're seeing, as we talked about earlier, we're seeing a lot of local kids coming up now. And so if they could be an inspiration to someone, you know, 
uh, anywhere, I think that's huge. So I'm a big proponent proponent of the youth and even adult learn to play pro. Yeah, you true. know why not? There, you know, it's never too old to it play. It hooks them on the sport when they it get does. a chance to play it. And I think you know it gives you an, a new appreciation for the sport, but also. I think you see things differently. Instead, you have the, those drunk guys in, in Section 300 that are yelling, yelling at the power play to shoot. Yep. And then they get out there and they're like, oh, maybe it's yeah. Maybe it's not that easy to shoot and get a puck through and all this stuff. Yeah. I, I think one point. of the great things is, uh, you know, when I go out on the ice and um, whether, it, you know, with uh, with someone new or playing for the first time. That's not a slam at you in the 300 level, by the way. No. Nope. I love you. Big shout out. Um, <laughs> it's great because there is that newfound appreciation. And a respect for the game, yeah, and the understanding of yeah, good point. How difficult it is. So that's always uh, you know something that I always cherish when whenever I hop on the ice with with a new player. So when in your writing, um, why did you want to get into writing, and and what what what, what was your hook? What was my hook? Well, uh, I'll tell you. Um, so in high school, I was. Uh, I, I enjoyed whatever writing classes I had, English classes, English classes, and I also liked the science classes. And so, out of high school, I declared my major is marine biology. I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, uh, I don't know, I'm gonna work at an aquarium, or I'm gonna do some sort you of research. Cut sharks wide open, see what's in them. Exactly. We'll be doing that tomorrow night at the tank, by the way. Ba bam! That's Nailed a skip it. shot right there. That's good. So I thought, okay, yeah, it's great. I'll do that. And then once I enrolled in college, <laughs> this is true. Uh, I took a look at the upper division math type courses and I was like, yeah, this ain't going to happen. It's not going to work out. Terrible at math. That's why I'm writing. So I thought, okay, if I find your strength, find my strength. So I thought, you know what? I enjoyed, I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed taking my English courses. So why don't I just major in journalism? Why not? What the heck? So I did that, wrote for the school newspaper, started covering water polo, women's water polo. And um, it kind of developed an appreciation for the process, you know, talking to the interviewing these. I had no idea how to interview anyone or how really how to write game stories, but it kind of just evolved. And then eventually I was a senior in college and I thought, you know what, like, I got to find something to do for a career. I love hockey. It's it's my passion. It's it's my number one. And how can I connect that with what I'm doing uh, with with journalism? And uh, one thing led to another, and I got an internship with the LA Kings, oddly That's enough. That's where you started. Yep, yep, as a PR intern, and kind of evolved into what I do now. So, so when you write now, what, what is the most enjoyable thing for you? Gathering quotes and writing a game story, or doing full features, or, or what? Full features, for sure. I, I enjoy, uh, one of the things I love doing is personalizing these players, right? Like, Which is needed. Which is needed. So, you know, when I had a chance to talk to Robo, get a, um, get to know him as a person, getting to know Miro, um, you know, Rope and Kiwi and finding out, you know, the hockey side's great, but what are they into off the ice? Yeah. You know, what kind of what kind of music? A big music guy. So what kind of music do they like? What kind of food do they like? And, and you know, and make the fans um, get to know them on a personal level and be able to relate to them. Yeah. Like I just found out the other day, they tell us all the time in our world in broadcasting that we need to do more storytelling, mm -hmm. and then they give us 11 seconds on the whistle <laughs> to tell our stories. Like I found out the other day, Braden Holpe not only plays guitar. He's got a with him. He's got a with him, but he, uh, he's into the same kind of music I am. And yeah, again, I asked him, and he, so he said 
sort of American folk and that. Yeah, he likes like indie, uh, folk, Americana type stuff. And I started reeling off a couple bands and and, uh, it just so happened that one of the bands, one of the artists I really like, a Canadian artist, Dallas Green, is good friends with him. And uh, it's a small world, yeah. man. But but again, telling those stories, sure. and and letting the fans know how these who these guys are as just from a human side, I think so is important. Yeah, and, you know, writing, you know, writing uh, game previews and game recaps are great too. Um, more so, I when can you tell win. by the enthusiasm in your voice. <laughs> more so when you win, it's a little tough. Yeah, when, when is, you're losing, it? you know, it's because you, all you, of our jobs, it's much more enjoyable yeah. after uh, the sixth or seventh straight victory yeah and you know at the end of the day i just like con- conveying my passion for this game yeah at the end whether well, you do it's, a great job thank you whether it's, it's stories on the website or just you know personal tweets this do you hit i didn't even look do you hit twitter hard i hit it pretty hard how That's many tweets one. have you sent out oh boy look it up thousands thousands i, I don't even know if you can tell how many people do you follow how many people do I follow? Yeah. The, the following count is uh, I follow 536, including you. You don't follow me. Well, I need, I'll follow you back now. Oh, I, I no, that's okay. To, that's fine. I was waiting to have you on yeah. the podcast. Oh, that's okay. But that's if, you're, if you're one of those uh, absolute machine gun uh, tweeters, I can't handle that. <laughs> I can't handle uh, that in my feed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Uh, I don't know how many... Uh, over the course of the many, many years, I've probably fired off, I don't know, let's just say 10,000. Which over the course of ten years, I don't think is very much. So no, that isn't. Uh, but know. if you follow too many people, you're really following no one. I've heard that. You can use that in one. It of gets your lost things as well, if you want. It gets lost. Yeah, there's just too much stuff coming in. It's a barrage of information in our yes, world and in our sport. You can drown in it as you try to search for information, but you seem to be able to cut through a lot of that. I'm so glad you're doing a lot of the personalization stuff. Because not that it hasn't been done here, but the more that we can do of it, especially as you import more uh, new faces, yeah, and that into the organization, and you know some of these guys are tough nuts to crack mm-hmm. on a daily basis when you're just trying to get something out of them. Our access has changed so much, yeah. Um, although the PR staff and the team itself does a wonderful job of making sure if you need something, they'll find a way to, to get it to you. Mm-hmm. But it's not at hand like it, it it has been in past because of COVID. We all got our COVID test this morning. I thought I nailed mine. I've got you did. I've got great nostrils for it. She told me she commented on the cleanliness of my nostrils. Well, I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, dude. and how flare. Even we're ten feet apart. Right, and you can tell. I could tell that. Uh, I mean, it's like model level nostrils. So I I wish the best to you guys in your tests. Did you study for it last night? I did. You guys are nodding. Brandon I did. And oh, yeah. Kyle. I did. Those nostrils look battle-tested. Well, they've seen some stuff. They've, <laughs> they've smelled <laughs> some things. <laughs> There's been some, odor, <laughs> been some odors. Uh, I can't thank you enough for taking time and doing this. Anytime. Yeah. That's great. It's good. You're, you're a great addition to Star's World here. I appreciate don't it. Go, don't go lily padding. It's, is that what the kids call it now? Where you just jump from job to job to job to job? Stick around, yeah. Oh, no. or where you get bored? Do you get bored? Not too, not too much. No. Look, I love, I love this. I, I, this is home for me. Not San Jose, Dallas. There, that's what I want to yeah, get. Yeah, Calcio Hora, uh, Digi Manager. Do you call it Digi Manager now? Everything's short. No, but I might. How about Dig? Dig man, Dig man, Dig man. Woo! 
Digiman. Woo-hoo-hoo. Thanks hey, for doing hey, this. Nickname. Uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll have our boy Mike Heike join us again next week. But you were a wonderful guest uh, here. Good to get to know you a little bit better. Break the, down the Dallas Stars and their their successes and their swoons, which they're in right now, and hopefully get out of uh, b- before we uh, record another one of these. Thanks for doing this, Brendan. Uh, we'll talk to you next week on it. It'll be double digits. Podman Rush 10. Woo!